Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. Today, I have on a very fun wellness-focused guest. Her name is Sif Hyder, and she is the co-founder of Array, which some of you may have heard before. I personally have tried their products and absolutely love it, but a little bit more about Sif. She was working in the beauty space as a blogger and podcaster and found herself struggling with her own health issues. She ultimately turned to natural remedies as a last resort and began troubleshooting with her own combination of herbs and vitamins and found herself feeling better than ever. She quickly realized that holistic remedies had the power to address women's toughest day-to-day health issues and began building Array with her husband, Nish, to share these solutions with others. On this episode, we dive into various topics, as always, so we definitely touch on how she built Array, the story behind it, And the questions I always love to ask, especially for business owners, when it comes to slowly getting into stores, how you do all the marketing, the influencer strategy, everything like that, because as most of us know, it always is a trial and error, especially ever since the boom of e-commerce a few years ago. Nowadays, you kind of have to test what works and what doesn't because honestly, nothing is ever a cookie cutter fit. And of course, we touch on relationships. And I have to say, she provided a lot of great advice and books and resources that you guys can check out if you are interested in getting better at being a communicator in a relationship or just being a better partner. For Sif, she's actually married to her co-founder and business partner, and so that's obviously a very interesting and unique dynamic that comes along with the relationship but she's been with her partner for about 10 years now and so I think that obviously there's a lot to say about that and we dive into a little bit of long distance the communication everything that she's experienced and I know that you guys will have a lot of takeaways like I did so with that being said let's welcome Sif Hyder to the podcast Well, Sif, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. I'm excited we timed it well with you being in New York, and I know um, I used to live in LA, so I prefer, you know, in person over Zoom. So do I, definitely. It's more fun, you know? The quality of conversation is always better. Like, I I mean, as a podcaster, I get it. I only record in person, so yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just dive into it. How about we get a glimpse into your background? Can Mm -hmm. you start from like your blogging days and like Mm -hmm. way back in the day before Array. So we can kind of paint a picture of how you really got here. You know what I mean? Because sometimes we're like, oh my God, how do I become that successful or how do I build something like that? And as I'm sure you know, a lot of us often have these little pillars along the way that kind of helped us gain the skill to do something like what we do today. So can you share that? Yeah, of course. So I think what's really interesting and kind of a misconception that I had when I was growing up was Mm -hmm. that, you know, you were supposed to graduate from college and have everything figured out and Mm -hmm. have this like robust career, which was, that was it, you know? And what I've realized now looking back in my life is that 
when you come out of college, you're not even a fully formed adult. And so (laughs) it's okay to find your way. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what happened with me. So, um, I mean, I'll keep it short because I've had like quite an interesting journey getting to where I am today. But, you know, I graduated from college, thought I wanted to get into PR. And so, you know, that's what I did. And then while I was at like working um, in PR, like internships and stuff, I was like, wait a minute. The thing that I really like from here, this whole experience is the writing bit. I loved writing press releases. Anytime it was anything creative Mm -hmm. to do with writing, I was like, this is this is really my jam. This is where I'm thriving. So then. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go into, um, you know, I, I want to work at a magazine. Right. And so that's what I pursued. And I started blogging before getting my first job at a magazine because I needed a creative outlet. Yeah. I loved the kind of creative freedom that I had while, mm-hmm. you know, posting and creating on my own website. Mm-hmm. I could write about whatever I wanted. I could take the kind of pictures that I wanted. Yeah. And also I, f- I thought that, okay, if I have a blog – it'll only serve me in showing magazines that I have good ideas Mm -hmm. and I can take initiative. Mm -hmm. And so I landed a job at a magazine, um, which is where I worked for about a year and a half before I quit to go full time with my blog. And Mm -hmm. then I worked on my blog all the way up until essentially I started Array and started my podcast um, also right before I started Array. Oh, really? Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Okay. We have so many questions from that. So what year did you start blogging? Because we both know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 25 Mm -hmm. and blogging goes like way back. And you know what I mean? Like today, unfortunately, I think blogging is a little bit like it's more influencers versus bloggers. But Uh when did you start that part? Um, I started in 2015, I want to say, okay. and then I went full time with it in 2016. Oh, good for you. Yeah. How did you start like making money from that right off? Because again, it was a little bit different. I was not then. making money. Okay. I didn't even know you could monetize a blog. Oh, I mean, okay. I, I, this was like, right now, you can go to school to learn how to be a digital creator. Right, right. I, I mean, when I started, there was none of that. It was like magazines were still king. That's and true. so that's why it was my dream to work at one. It's just, yeah. it just happened that along the way, I started being offered these brand partnerships. I had no idea okay. what it meant. I remember the first yeah. kind of collaboration email I got, I mm-hmm. thought it was spam. Okay. I was like, yeah, why yeah, yeah. would someone want to send me something? That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. And then the world essentially changed. You know, and um, I was approached by a talent management agency and, you know, like I signed with them and then they would bring me deals, um, deals would come in. But when I quit my job, Mm -hmm. Emily, I it's not like I was making a lot of money. I wasn't. It's just I felt that I had the potential to work on something that I really loved. I saw a Mm. lot more longevity because I was working at a at a magazine when the kind of the tail end of the golden era, you know? Yes, so that's true. That's when we saw that the number of pages in the magazine were kind of dwindling. It mm. was just past that golden age. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was working on the digital side of the magazine. Right. And so I could see that that was the future. This was also at the time where, um, you know, editors would come back from a trip to Coachella and be like, I was on the same trip as a 21-year-old blogger, an 18-year-old blogger. And I was like, this is the future because yeah. they are trying mm-hmm. to catch up to what's happening in the digital age. Right. And digitally native um, creators, 
guys yeah. have full autonomy. There's no hierarchy. There's no approval process. You're just going for it and creating. So it was almost a democratization of media. Yeah. And because I had all like I'd already started building a community, I was being approached to do brand deals. And it was just getting to a point where I, I kind of saw the fact that I'm kind of at a crossroads in my career. Yeah. I can continue kind of down this magazine path mm-hmm. or I can take a bet on myself. Yeah. And I was just, you know, when you're in your early 20s, yeah. what the hell do you have to lose? Right, right, exactly. So I just went for it. Yeah. Question, because I would have faced it and I still, I, I did actually initially when I quit my corporate job um, a year and a half ago, but did your parents or family have any opposition to you leaving no um, oh, okay that's good my dad my parents initially didn't understand what I was doing right <laughs> but what my parents did understand was that it was a business okay. and I come from an entrepreneurial family my okay. dad has his own business and mm-hmm. he told me to take the bet on myself yeah and again it was like what what's the what am I going to lose do right. I have you know a child do I have to exactly. you know uh, there there was like very little for me to yeah. really worry about and if you don't take a bet on yourself in your early 20s when mm-hmm. you have such little to lose right when are you going to do it yeah so yeah. thankfully I've been brought up with the because my dad was the same way he didn't take a job and instead kind of went on his entrepreneurial wow. journey at 21 years of age. And that's a whole different environment too. Totally. Back in the day. Totally. Yeah. So, and he took a lot of risks, you yeah. know, and it led to thankfully him being very successful at what yeah. he does. So yeah. I, I kind of grew up with that model. And so I was kind of always fearless and yeah. my parents were always very supportive as well. They always believed in me. Oh, that's amazing. What about your podcast? So you started that around what year? End of 2018, early 2019. Okay, yeah. So this is like before the boom Mm -hmm. of podcasting as well. What was that process like for you? And I definitely want to dive into whether that contributed to the start of Array or like how it kind of crossed over with one another. Like what was kind of your goal with podcasting at that time? Because I'm assuming you were also still blogging as well. Yeah, so every time I would share something interesting. Say, for example, it was a new skincare product Mm -hmm. or um, a new wellness trend or a book that I had read or some habit thing I was doing. I would always get questions from my community being like, hey, can you do a full blog post on this topic? Can Mm -hmm. you do a deep dive into this skincare ingredient? Um, Can you talk a little bit about this supplement that you're – whatever it was. And my thinking was, okay, I – the reason I pick up these things is mm-hmm. because I read a lot, yeah. okay? I'm a voracious reader, yeah. crazy researcher. But my thought process behind starting a podcast was, okay, what if I could bring people, like my community, mm-hmm. the information straight from the source, yeah. you know? And so speak mm-hmm. to those experts in all those categories that my audience was really interested in hearing about, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that was anything from skincare to how to build a business, whatever that was. And mm-hmm. so that that was the motive behind starting the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of how it led to Array, honestly, there was no correlation there, okay. Emily. It yeah. was just um, Array was like a fully different idea. Yeah. And um, I didn't start Array in order to kind of start a business. You know, that wasn't my motive. It right. was like, I think we can help people with this 
product yeah. and yeah. we need to give it to people. Yeah. That was kind of the motive behind starting the business. What was your personal health journey around, you know, maybe bloating or just like your experience with realizing like the conventional route of resolving some of what a lot of us women kind of face. And, you know, I've had a lot of bloating issues throughout college mm-hmm. and um, I've loved trying the bloat pills. Um, it's been really fun. I love, by the way, the packaging is so cute. Thank I mean, I'm you. sure everyone told you that, but it's like so <laughs> chic. I like, plopped it on my counter. I'm like, this is so damn cute. <laughs> oh my God, that makes me so happy. Yeah. Um. So essentially my, uh, I guess, entry into holistic wellness yeah. was really out of my own need. Yeah. So I had a very bad history of just a bad relationship with my immune system. Mm -hmm. I was always that person who was on the hamster wheel of Mm -hmm. getting sick, antibiotics, getting better, doing it all over again. And, um, you know, it was just impeding on the way that I was living my life. Mm -hmm. I was not kind of, in my early 20s, I wasn't this like radiant, kind of full of life (laughs) and vitality sort of early 20-year-old, you know? And so... Basically, like in my early 20s, I ended up fracturing a rib from a chronic cough. And um, when I went to my doctor, I was prescribed codeine. And um, there was no plan forward. You know, there wasn't a plan as as to, okay, this is what's happened to you now. Let's make sure that it doesn't happen to you again. Here are the steps to kind of repair your immune system and ensure that you get back to feeling like a 20-year-old should. Yeah. And so out of desperation, I decided to look into holistic wellness, which back then was very weird. Mm -hmm. You know, it Mm -hmm. was like hippies and, you know, just people I I didn't identify with talking about it. Or you'd really have to go and do deep research to find the right resources. Nowadays, anyone who wants to learn about holistic wellness, it's Mm -hmm. all out there. There's, you know, it's not so hard to find. Yeah, exactly. And so as I started researching, I obviously started experimenting on myself Mm -hmm. and started to notice huge shifts in my immune system. And Mm -hmm. then obviously from there, I was like, okay, I wonder if I can, um, you know, help my digestive system. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if I can help my fatigue and all of these other issues. And as I started to notice shifts in my own Mm well-being, my then boyfriend, now husband and Mm co-founder Nish, and I realized that there was this huge white space in the wellness market. And we really wanted to create essentially a wellness brand that was 100% natural, Mm -hmm. you know, results-oriented, formulated by a doctor, and something really beautiful so that women would get super excited to use it the same way Mm -hmm. that we get really excited to use our skincare. So that was basically the background behind my foray into this area and why Array was even born. Mm -hmm. When it came to observing what else is on the market, I guess, how did you look at it from, like, what you wanted to bring to market versus what's already out there, like probiotics, for example? Like, how were you kind of observing your approach that would come in differently? And then also, like, maybe observing, oh, we would love to be in, I'm sure, like, Whole Foods and, like, places like that at some point. Um, What was kind of, like, your thought process during that? Um, 
my thought process back then is the same process that it is today, which mm-hmm. is I don't look at what other people are doing. Okay. And the that. reason behind that is if there was a widespread pervasive solution, then mm-hmm. people wouldn't be complaining about it. Right. And every time I met with friends, every time I was at dinner or brunch or mm-hmm. catching up with people, you know, people would talk about how bloated and anxious they were. Mm-hmm. If there was a solution, why was everyone complaining about it? Mm-hmm. And and um, I, I knew that probiotics were widespread in the market, but yeah. a probiotic alone is not going to solve your digestive issues. Right. And so I knew that there needed to be something different mm-hmm. and what existed wasn't working. Mm. And so that was that's how I've continued to operate the business mm-hmm. and kind of everything that I do. I don't look at what other people are doing because I am also of the belief that there's room for everyone. Right. You know, there may be another brand that does supplements or whatever. Yeah. It may resonate with you, but Mm -hmm. it may not resonate with your best friend. Mm -hmm. So there's room for everyone. Like, look at the skincare category. There's new brands popping up every day of the week. Yes. (laughs) And they're all thriving. Right. So many of them are thriving, you know? Yeah. What about when it came to getting into stores, right? Did you ever face a time where one of the buyers was like, you know, there are things are too similar in our store? Did anyone ever say that? Or at least like, yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. No. Um, We, first of all, like our uh, primary thing was that we were going to focus on e-commerce and direct to consumer. Got it. We thought that we could win that way. Yeah. And for anyone who's kind of thinking about getting into stores, you want to build brand equity to make that really easy, okay? So for example, say you launch a brand today, Mm -hmm. okay? Tomorrow you go to Target and you're like, hey, Target, I want to get into your store because I have this brand. Right. Even if they say yes, yeah, no one knows about you. Right. You've not built any brand equity. How is it moving from shelves? Yeah. So what happens if you get into a mass retailer too soon is yeah. actually a number of things. Number one, if no one knows about your brand, they may not buy it. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, that mass retailer has the right to slash your prices. Mm-hmm. It'll look horrible on shelves. It'll yeah. be dusty and just like not taken care of. Yeah. And then you, as the creator of that brand, are going to have to buy back your own inventory. Mm. It's a huge issue when it comes to your margins. And it's not the right thing to do. Number two, if you go into a mass retailer right away, Mm -hmm. you have no idea, like a new brand owner does not have the capacity to even understand what it takes to be successful in retail, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm talking from an operational standpoint. You don't know whether when it's getting to the retailer, it's arriving in the right condition. If you have a warehouse, they could be you know, like just messing up the way that they're packaging it. It could be like bumps. It could be weird things when it comes to the presentation. Yeah. If you start off with smaller retailers, Mm -hmm. you can work out the kinks within your own operations to ensure that when the day does come that you're you're ready for a mass retailer, Mm -hmm. you are ready from all fronts. You are ready from the operation standpoint. You have built enough brand equity so that your product moves and that a retailer does doesn't have a chance to really complain about you. So that was always my thought process when it came to retail. I didn't want to be a brand that went into a retailer too quickly before we were ready for it. Um, Also, retail is a very expensive Mm -hmm. um, thing to take on when you're a young brand. You know, Mm -hmm. you need you need a lot of money because typically retailers have 30 to 60 day payment terms. Now, if they're taking, you know, 
3,000 units of inventory and you're a tiny little brand that's only produced 5,000 and you're losing 50 to 60% margins, that's a tough thing to take on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with retailers now, it's a lot easier because they approach us and they've seen us, they've seen our brand and they want to champion us because they believe in us. And retailers also want to, you know, take on the cool indie brands. And that's what they will kind of nurture. Mm -hmm. So... You started the brand back in like 2019, right? 2020. 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. So sh- show the process of like the beginning days. Like were you packing and shipping all of this? <clears throat> like I want to hear like that and then like how you slowly progressed, like how the e-commerce uh, scaled out and then also getting into like the smaller stores and how you started to do that more hands-on before kind of expanding into maybe like actually having, you know, like a warehouse, like hold certain inventory. So yes, we were doing everything on our own when we started. Mm -hmm. Um, We started literally out of our apartment. I was hand packaging everything along with Nish. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we were scrappy because we had not raised money. Mm -hmm. So it was literally just bootstrapped. And when you're bootstrapped, you have to be scrappy. So we started doing everything on our own when it came to a point where there were literally not enough hours in the day for Mm -hmm. us to package while also pushing the business forward from a strategy perspective, we hired someone to help with packaging. And that was a huge kind of step up for us because Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, all of a sudden I have all this time to focus on strategy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether that's marketing or Nish was focusing more on operations, whatever Mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, I guess, like a big step up. And then from there, in terms of small retailers, again, this was really not a focus for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I don't even know who the first small retailer we got into was. Um, maybe it wasn't until last year. Mm-hmm. So for a full year, we oh, were wow. just like fully, de- and even now, like I don't consider us a retail heavy business. Our entire business, maybe like 3% of our entire business is retail. Oh, really? Everything oh, else wow. is e-com, yeah. Okay. What was um, your initial struggles with, like, of course, you know, it's like, it's it's a new brand mm-hmm. and you're selling a type of product that you would usually, like a consumer, you would it's easier to like just pick it up in store, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's maybe less, especially when you first started, less is something you would think, oh, I'm just going to order this online, right? How was that process for you in actually like, getting it known in in terms of your marketing strategy in like the first year? So I don't know if I agree with what you just said. And the reason I say this is because if you look at consumer behavior when it comes to purchasing supplements, Mm -hmm. it's typically online. Amazon is a big outlet. Mm -hmm. And then people go to actually like websites for companies. Mm -hmm. I was actually having this conversation with a few people the other day and we were just chatting and asking each other, okay, so where do you go for your supplements? You know, maybe you pick it up at Whole Foods, but you're not exploring Whole Foods for the hot new supplement, you know, or that's at least the consumer patterns that we know based on data. Mm -hmm. And so we knew that our opportunity to win was Mm -hmm. really through e-com. And we we thought we could do a direct-to-consumer, which is kind of the strategy that we went went for. Yeah. um, Where... I think one of 
my strong suits, yeah. you know, my skills is marketing. I yeah. come from that background and because I've worked in PR, mm-hmm. um, you know, publishing and as a creator, mm-hmm. I feel like I have a very robust 360 view yeah. on marketing. And so yeah. I just leaned into that, Emily. You mm-hmm. know, I gifted really heavily to influencers, to doctors, to like people in wellness. Yeah. And it was like a flywheel effect, you know, yeah. where it was it started with like, you know, a couple of micros talking about us here and then there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I've said this like a million times before, but Melissa Wood was really the person that got us on the map. Mm. Um, I'd gifted her like pre-launch essentially. Oh, wow. And towards the end of March 2020, which mm-hmm. was, I mean, our brand was like brand new. Yeah. Um, I saw her talking about us on a live. Oh, or wow. I, I didn't even see that. I was just, All these sales started rolling in and we're like, where is this coming from? We were right. so confused. Right. And someone from my community sent me a screenshot of her talking about us on a live. Oh, wow. And then from there, you know, it was you know, other people trying the supplements, Mm -hmm. um, influencers, like a few like big influencers and celebrities buying the supplements, um, talking about it on their own channel. It was very organic. And, you know, anytime we'd see a name, we would, Nish and I would be glued to our Shopify, Mm -hmm. like looking for any names, being like, okay, like so-and-so ordered because we didn't know how to blind gift and we didn't think that it was the right thing to do either. Right. So say like a, I don't know, like an A-list person ordered, we'd make sure that we sent them like, other products that we wanted them to try you know whether that was like if they ordered bloat we'd send them calm the capsule case like all of the things you know yeah and then of course it was also we have always believed very deeply in treating our customers like influencers Mm -hmm. you know and you know when it comes to the packaging experience when it comes to the customer experience they are treated like influencers and that's how we started from day one so we had very strong word of mouth, Nish and I would take customer service calls. Like, I mean, they would go straight to Nish's cell phone. Yeah. So we had a really deep connection with our community. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been really incredible at telling literally everyone, Mm -hmm. you know. So we kind of fired on all fronts. Um, We took care of our customers really, really well. And we treated them like they were everything to us, which they were. Yeah. And then influencers as well were excited I think to have a product available that I think was so relevant yeah um so yeah it was all of that it was also a little bit of timing like you know people it was right during the pandemic Mm -hmm. everyone was anxious and bloated and our products served that need so that's kind of how we looked at everything (laughs) also when it came to retail everything was closed yeah (laughs) you know so you had to do e-com right when it came to gifting, like you mentioned, um, what was that like? Were you did you go in just wanting to gift and like maybe hoping that it would just spread by word of mouth, like with zero expectations yeah. that they would share whatsoever? And, yeah, and you would know, okay, that's just that if, if they don't share about it, like that's what you that's kind of like what you have to accept. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because I I don't I think that this is a thing that I think a lot of small brands maybe don't understand mm-hmm. is that you can't go into an influencer any sort of relationship expecting something from someone, especially right. when you know uh, an influencer or creator's job like they're typically paid to post, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if you are gifting someone, you really have to go into like, it's a write off. Yeah, it's a write off. Like yeah, you know. Pretend like you never had that money. Just give it to them. Yeah. Forget about it. And then all it takes is one person 
posting, like mm-hmm. just one. Mm-hmm. Because if they have a strong enough community, mm-hmm. um, you know, an engaged enough audience, like that's that's it, you yeah. know, and that will create the buzz around your business. And then your job is just to keep it going, yeah. you know. So yeah. gift for like this is still, by the way, a part of our strategy. We gift very generously. Yeah. We gift to like hundreds of people mm-hmm. and not just like big influencers by yeah, the way yeah. i'm talking like nano i'm talking someone like an engaged customer like yeah. i i mean i i think that people really need to be generous with their gifting because it will pay off okay that's a very interesting you know because i feel like you're the first person i've ever heard that really blatantly said that like you have to be generous with gifting because i feel like especially for new people in business that have a product that can be gifted they can be scared to you know like wonder what is the return or like can you accept that that's where like that's where the dollars are going versus actually putting the dollars into maybe ads or like certain marketing other other marketing tactics what's the dollar that you're putting in you know when you think about the money that you're putting into giving away free product right it's much less than any other channel. Yeah. And again, we had to be scrappy, you know, Emily, like we didn't have all this money to put into anything. So it was like, that was really our best bet that we had the product, we believed in our product. And we really did believe that if you try it, you Mm -hmm. will love it, you know? And we also believed that this was a product that could change someone's life, you know? And so when, when I was gifting to people, Mm -hmm. I really came from like a soul centered place, you know, Mm -hmm. I would, send a really thoughtful email being like, hey, I really think that this product is going to help you live, you know, a better life, feel better on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. Please let me send it to you. Like there's absolutely no pressure. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, you know, I'm someone who really cares about like energy and the intention behind things. And I think if you come at it with a strong product, which Mm -hmm. you've created with integrity, Mm -hmm. you feel like is aligned for the person who you're sending it to. And then you're sending it with good intentions. I don't know, like something happens and like the universe, God, forces conspire to ensure that you're taken care of. So. That's kind of my thought process behind it. Okay, I want to shift a little bit more into like personal life and relationship mm-hmm. because I know that you mentioned that your then boyfriend is now your husband mm-hmm. and business partner, which I feel like is a very fun but also probably interesting dynamic that mm-hmm. most people don't really get to experience. Um, what would you say are some like your best tips over the years that you've learned in, I guess like first one being like balancing a relationship on the personal level, but then also the business side and actually drawing boundaries from, you know, making sure it doesn't cause any conflicts in your actual relationship. So um, for us, what we've realized is you almost have to be kind of preventative, okay? Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is when, when you're just starting out and, you know, you're significant other or your best friend or someone close to you in your life is your business partner, it's really easy to talk about your business all the time, Mm -hmm. okay? If you do that, essentially you are then only co-founders. You're not in a relationship anymore, (laughs) you know, whatever that relationship is. And Mm -hmm. so Nish and I were very protective about showing up for each other as, you know, our like significant others along with co-founders. So, you know, 
date nights for example every week we have date night and yeah. we never talk about work during date night it's yeah. just like a hard like no yeah and then over time you know we've realized that we need to be vocal when we want to shut off from work so mm-hmm. if i've had a really rough day and i just want to go out on a walk you know i actually have to be vocal and tell nish like i don't want to talk about work because he's not going to be there reading my mind right, you know right, what right. i mean mm-hmm. so and nice. vice versa so yeah. just drawing those boundaries and like being very vocal about it yeah. or for example like something happens in my personal life during the day yeah or like you know a work problem is bothering me but i'm feeling emotional about it, mm-hmm. then I'll go to Nish and I will say, can you just show up as my husband for one second and listen to mm-hmm. me? And he will show, like he'll switch that role, yeah. you know, versus like show up as my co-founder who's like, <laughs> you know, at that 100%. point you're like, let's solve the fucking problem. Yes. Sorry, am I allowed no, to Oh yeah, you yet? can swear. Of yeah, <laughs> so like solve the problem, like, you know, thinking hats on versus like if you want someone to show up as your significant <laughs> other, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna hear you vent yeah, yeah. and swear and get really upset yeah. and I'll take you up for a donut. Right. You know what I right, mean? So right. it's just being really clear about what you need from the other person. Yeah. So that's how we ensure that we have you know, robust, healthy, um, like a healthy relationship, essentially. And then, of course, you know, when we're nearing burnout, we Mm -hmm. try and go on a trip if we can. We do two a year for sure. Um, And that really helps us kind of switch up our routine and disconnect from what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just it's helpful for our mental health and preserving the sanctity of our relationship, I (laughs) think. And then just on a day-to-day basis in terms of how we operate as well, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to stay in your lane. Yeah, Nish and I have two very different skill sets, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of trust in one another to excel at what we do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not there at every meeting that he has, and he's not there at every meeting that I have because divide and conquer is a lot more strategic anyway. Yeah, And also it allows us to each have autonomy over decision making for certain parts of the business which right. I think is healthy yeah so stay in your lane <laughs> yeah you it sounds like communication is key mm-hmm. right from what you're saying what would you say like have you ever experienced it maybe from a learning lesson where you realize like oh it was because of lack of communication that now you're like okay this is why we have to be so vocal because I feel like that is something a lot of people who aren't as you know people like to think relationship isn't about strategy but there is like totally right but there is right like you actually do have to implement certain habits that seem too structured but are key like pillars to successful for like relationships right yeah you know i think it's quite interesting when we think and zoom into relationships in general yeah. we work on different facets of our life okay mm-hmm. oh i want to be healthier i want to progress in my career my mindfulness practice yeah. all of these different <laughs> facets and relationships are typically the last thing that we want to actively work on mm-hmm. nish and mm-hmm. i have been like we are both very passionate about giving our relationship everything we have okay it's Mm -hmm. like it's an area of life that I am constantly learning about yeah so I read books on relationships how to better my communication um you know how to show up as a good partner not just business books that'll tell me how to show up as a good leader or co-founder you know it's also about Nish and I yes and fact of the matter is that God forbid if something happened to us, mm-hmm. Array would suffer. Right. And neither of us want that. So we work really hard at our relationship. And there are a lot of strategies that we have. Um, we're constantly learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been together for 
10, 11 years. Oh, and it wow. still feels, yeah, almost, well, 11 years in May, so we just celebrated 10 years. But, you know, it still feels like we're dating, mm-hmm. but like in a very strong, healthy relationship where yeah. we're constantly communicating. Um, we know what works for the other person. Mm-hmm. And we we just treat each other with respect. Yeah. You mentioned you read um, or have read like relationship books. What would you say is the biggest takeaway? Because I'm huge on that too. I love listening to podcasts and reading books. Um, I recently was going into like the Gottman, John Gottman. Oh my God, so good. Yes. And it's it's funny because he's such like a quirky little nerd, but it is so like powerful the way he explains it and like all the statistics around their research and like the data that shows. And I'm just so impressed because Mm -hmm. no one in modern day, like it's probably growing, but like hasn't in the past talked about it this way Mm -hmm. because everyone thinks it's just supposed to feel natural. Totally. And and like there's certain parts I think like are supposed to click naturally, but then to grow it like anything in life, you actually have to implement certain strategies. But what has been probably like your personal biggest takeaway from any relationship advice or book? Um, that you cannot approach things from an ego perspective, okay? Mm. So mm-hmm. I think that human beings, just in general, we mm-hmm. have egos, yeah. you know, and we just want to be right. Mm. And I think that understanding when it's okay to let something go because mm. it's too small mm. and too big a waste of your time. Yeah. So... I think just understanding, okay, like, when can I just let something go? Like, just understanding, okay, like, what's worth fighting for? Right. Okay, there are certain things. Yes, fight for it. Yeah. Obviously, figure out a solution and make sure that, you know, you're stepping away in the middle of an argument, you know, so that both parties can cool down, ensuring you have tools when you are kind of having more of a debate, like, how do you speak to one another? Mm. Are there certain, like, boundaries that you don't cross? Yeah. Things like that. But also just being aware, okay, like, I'm not going to fight about every little thing, you yeah. know, because in I think it's human tendency to wish that your partner is a certain way, but yeah. you have to accept your partner as who they are, mm-hmm. you know? And, of course, compromise and all of that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone should be in a shitty relationship, but right. if your partner is an awesome person and you love them and they're your biggest cheerleader, mm-hmm. I mean – they don't have to be exactly like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and just understand what you're going to fight about yeah. and what's worth it for you and what isn't. Yeah. So what about spending time together? Right. Because you guys are you guys do business together uh-huh. and you also probably live together and you're married and everything. So how do you personally find healthy balance with your girlfriends and like your alone time? Um, and then also just like doing things on your own, right? Like, you know, I feel like one of my girlfriends is always like, how do you, you know, not spend, like, why do you like to spend like a certain, only a certain amount of time with your partner? Like, it seems like my friend was like yesterday, she's like, I would be like way needier. And I'm like, well, there's definitely a younger version of me that was more needy and like loved to spend a lot of time with my ex-boyfriend. But um, I realized like the balance is really healthy. And that's also something that, a lot of books and podcasts I have read talk about a lot is like finding time for yourself and then your social circle and then, you know, with your partner. But what have you found has been healthy and especially as co-founders, like you guys are running the same business, right? So like, how does that work for you? 
As most of you have probably heard for a while now, I've been consistently drinking Magic Mind because not only does it taste so good, especially if you love a hint of matcha flavor, but this stuff helps me get into my flow state and I always feel a stronger sense of focus, which makes sense since it is a productivity drink. While I love coffee and I do make it every morning, when it comes to preparing for my workflow or wanting something to sip on before I get into my work, I always choose Magic Mind because, like I said, it helps me get into my flow state and it makes me feel more focused and productive. The best part is that it is all natural and I'm going to share with you a few key facts and ingredients. Number one, it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee if you drink coffee for energy and focus. For me, like I said, I drink it more for just the pleasure of making coffee. So this one is definitely a better alternative if you prefer more of an energy-focused drink. It helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And lastly, it is all natural ingredients including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been considering it for a while, I highly, highly recommend you give this a try. I drink this every single day, no joke, and it comes in a box of 15 and I like it so much sometimes I drink two in a day, but disclaimer, it is not recommended. They do recommend one, but I just truly love it so much. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. So um, everyone should, if they're interested in relationships or psychology or anything like that, should read the work of Esther Perel. She has two great books, I'm Obsessed. Mm -hmm. And something she talks about is the fact that if you look at human beings Mm -hmm. across history, Mm -hmm. we had tribes and we never expected one person to be everything for the other person, okay? It's just not possible. And so expecting our partner to be our everything is not fair. And you should have your needs, like different needs met from different people. Mm -hmm. And so Nish and I thankfully have always been very, very independent Mm. um, with a lot of trust and respect in our relationships. So, you know, I was a travel blogger at one Mm -hmm. point in my life. I would be away for months of the year, months, you know, we did. While you guys were dating. mm -hmm. Oh, wow. We did so much long distance throughout our relationship. I went to school after my undergrad in London, in Mm. the UK. Mm. You know, we were, we again, we did a ton of long distance. And so we've always been very supportive of each other and our individual pursuits and careers. So Mm -hmm. I think that that balance has been like a very natural thing. Wow. In fact, COVID was the first year in our relationship where we actually spent the whole year together. Oh, wow. That had never happened in the history of our relationship. So that's like eight years in? Eight years in, yeah. Oh my gosh, okay, wow. Yeah, so we've always kind of been good communicators and we've always had... wow, no wonder. I can tell. I'm like, (laughs) whoa, where'd you learn that, girl? Like, most people struggle with that. I'm like, okay, now I get it. Like, you've had certain periods of long distance. Like, I know some people that'd be like, oh, if I'm, like, you know, if I'm going to school there or if I'm taking X amount of months, like, away, like, this relationship is probably not going to work. And I feel like I've heard that programming so much. Not that I believed it, but, like, I think it's really amazing to hear you speak about your experience in that regard. I think long distance, 
by the way, and time apart is like the best thing you can do for a relationship. In my mm. personal opinion, yeah. I think it keeps things like spicy. Yeah. Okay. You don't yeah. need to spend every waking day with one person. Mm-hmm. It's just not what you need to do mm-hmm. forever and your whole life. Like yeah. go fucking live your life. Yes. Enjoy it. Yes. Do your own thing. Find your own self. Like yeah. who are you? Yeah. You know, you don't need your entire personality doesn't have to be hinged on like who your partner is. You can right. be an individual on your own. Mm-hmm. So now in terms of, you know, how we spend time apart and together um during the work day we barely see each other Uh we both do our own things you know we do sometimes a catch-up at the end of the day or even at the end of the week being like hey so what did you get up to (laughs) because we've you know we've been away doing different things Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm away for an entire day you know doing meetings or working with my team or in podcast interviews, whatever, you know? So we have different functions within the business. Mm -hmm. And then I make time to do dinners, um, you know, lunches, spend time with my girlfriends. You know, I go on morning walks with them. Mm -hmm. I... I'm very protective about the relationships I have outside of Nish as well. And so is he, you know, he has great relationships with his friends and great relationships all around. So um, we don't forget what we have outside of each other, yeah, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's our support system. And we love to hang out with each other's friends as well. So I think we have a really good balance, you know? And we've learned that across the course of our relationship. We also started our relationship long distance. So I feel like we've, because we, I mean, we started dating in our like early 20s. You know, I, I turned 21 with Nish. Yeah. So we've kind of had to grow into our own individual beings yeah to show up for each other as well whoa I have to say that's like super incredible because you. you know I mean like obviously it goes to show with how long you guys have been together but also just that I don't know I mean I just I personally it's a little biased but I just think today's culture is a little bit very like oh you know this is not going to work so like very on to the next type of thing versus I feel like a lot of what you shared was very like we worked through it and we communicated and you know you you practiced and implemented a lot of good habits yeah I mean this is also before I think the age of you know apps and stuff Mm -hmm. and I think at the end of the day like Nish and I knew that we like very early on that we were each other's people yeah you know and there was we were just gonna end up together that's kind of like we just both knew that and we were gonna make it work so I love that um, you know, it's like that saying, like, you know when you know. Yes, right? <laughs> I would think so, yeah. Okay, so uh, final few questions. We'll do, like, two from the card game. Let's do it. What activities make you feel like you are living life to the fullest? Um, working out, traveling, um, things that bring me joy um, mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis, seeing friends, mm-hmm. um, grabbing a coffee for myself. Yeah. It doesn't have to be big, like the just simple small things, things as right? Well, yeah. I think that's what we realized during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The simple things. How do you measure happiness? How I feel when I wake up every day. Ooh. Yeah. So just okay, you know, have I woken up feeling like it's an exciting day and that mm-hmm. I feel good in my life and where I am in my life? Yeah. I would say that you know, that that's kind of my indication of how happy I am. Yeah. That's a good one. Who do you want to be a year from now? And how can you start working towards that person? Ooh, I love this question. Um, Obviously, just the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And I take steps towards that every day. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I've talked about this before, but I do future you journaling all the time and essentially just write as though I am my highest self and like the the version of myself that I want to be in a year. And I get into details like what kind of habits does that version of me have? Like what's she doing when she wakes up? Like what's her day structured like? How's she showing up as a leader, a friend, a Mm. partner? And I take those steps every single day. Whoa. And so, you know, who we are a year from now um, is kind of a, it's a culmination of the habits that we have today. Yeah. And so, you know, if I feel like, oh, this part of my life I need to work on, Mm -hmm. I get to work immediately because I know that I'm not just going to be that version of myself. You know, I have to work on it today. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's like a mic drop statement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, last question, something I ask every guest on the show. But in reflection of like everything we talked about and just, you know, your life in general, what would you say fulfills you in life? Uh, Feeling like I'm making a difference in other people's lives. Mm. So I'm a very purpose-driven person. You know, I said earlier on in the show that I wasn't someone who started a business to start a business or make money. That Mm -hmm. was just never the... Uh, that that's just not what is something that's like fulfilling or yeah. something that drives me. Yeah. Um I'm very fulfilled by feeling like I have a purpose and I'm able to make a difference in the world and I feel yeah. like through array through my podcast like I mm-hmm. I really do believe that I'm able to do that. And yeah. so that makes me really happy every day when I wake up. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I could not agree more with that. That's something um, for me that was my intention with the show Mm -hmm. is to be able to just make an impact on one person's life. You know, I remember how I was when I was 20 years old listening to Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins. But I, you know, obviously wanted like an older sister vibe too. And so I think that's where my intention came from. And when I just see like a DM or, and I'm sure same with you, when you see a message, like in the, especially the early days, you're like, holy crap, like someone from all the, all the way in Italy is like saying like, I love, you know, your show. I love your product. And I think it's like amazing to see how it can actually impact someone's life so I like your answer yeah well it sounds like we have the same answer <laughs> I love that well where can everyone find you share your social media uh, for your both your personal and array and the website so you can shop us at array.com you can find us on social media at array.co you can find me on social at Sif Hyder and my podcast is the Dream Bigger Podcast, and it can be found anywhere where podcasts are found. Yay. Amazing. Well, I will link that in the show notes. And thank you again. This amazing. was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And that was all for today's episode with Sif Hyder, co-founder of Array. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share this on your Instagram story so we can see it and also share with the community. And it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. If you have been listening for a while now and you enjoy the show and if you are interested in checking out products from array i will link everything in the show notes i personally love the bloat capsules and so i have that in my pantry and i take them every day so if you're looking for something new to kind of help with digestion and bloating and things of that nature definitely check it out lastly if you are curious about the card game that we did play on this episode you can find 
all the merch, including the card game, at whatfulfillsyou.com. And as a podcast listener, you get the exclusive 10% off with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. Again, that is whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase at whatfulfillsyou.com. Thanks again for tuning in today. I will chat with you all in the next episode.